0: Marty Dodson and I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on songwriting. Hey everybody just Marty with you today but I have a topic I'm really passionate about. I want to talk about how and when you need to go Beth Dutton on the music business. I love the show Yellowstone and the character Beth Dutton. If you've watched that show you know what I'm talking about. If you don't Beth Dutton just takes no crap from anyone and Sometimes I think that's how you have to operate in the music business. So I'm gonna give you some stories and examples, and uh, hopefully it'll be helpful to you as you go along with your music as well. But the first one is, uh, years ago, an artist changed a few lines in a song. Uh, they were going they had the song on hold, they wanted to record it, and they changed, uh, I think it was two lines in the song, and just recorded it their way without permission. And then they had their people call and say, hey, um, he changed some of the song, and he wants writer credit on the song. And it really kind of ticked me off because, first of all, he should have asked if he was going to change the song. Uh, secondly, I didn't really like the changes that he made in the song. And now he's wanting equal writer credit to the people that created the the whole entire song. And they said, you know, if you if you let him have writer credit, he might single this song that would have been my first single in my career but I said no and here's why I said no Nashville and LA New York all the music centers are small in the, the music community is very small and if you get the reputation for making compromises like this it will never stop and so I decided I was going to stand up for the integrity of that song and my songwriting, and I told them, no, you can't give him writer's credit. He can use the song if he wants to, but we're not going to give him writer's credit. And they said, okay, fine, we'll single another song, and they did. So I did not get that single, but I also feel like that decision paid off in other instances. Um, So we've we've flashed forward many years and these stories are not in chronological order. They're just kind of grouped in different ways. But there was another um, big, big, big like Hall of Fame type artist that recorded a song and his producer called and said, hey, you know, we think that the guitar solo his producer played on this is so signature that he should get 15 percent of the writer credit on the song. Where they came up with 15%, I don't know. I think it was just kind of out of thin air. But I went back and listened to our demo, and his guitar solo was just almost the same as our demo. So he basically copied the guitar solo on our demo, and then he wanted 15% of the writer's credit. And so, again, we said no. In fact, what we said this time was, well, since you copied most of our demo, We'll get 15% of the producer credit, and you get 15% of the songwriter credit. And we never heard back. So they they used the song, wound up being a single, wound up being a number one song. So in times like that, there there are times, you know, maybe you get an opportunity and you feel like, okay, this opportunity is so big, so important that, you know, maybe it's um, Beyonce. And she says, hey, I want part of the writer's credit on this song. If, if you feel like it's a big enough opportunity, maybe you need to take that, but you also need to understand that those kinds of things won't stop once once you start doing business that way. So you have to calculate, is this a big enough opportunity that I'm gonna do that? Or am I gonna go Beth bet Dutton on them and am I gonna stand up for my rights? So those are a couple of examples of things that really happened. And another example was, um, I had a number one one time, and the label called, and they said, hey, if you'll give us 15% of the writing credit, again, it was 15, I don't, I don't, that must be a magic number with these people, but they said, if you'll give us 15% of the writer's credit on the song and the publishing money and all that stuff, um, we will keep it at number one for another week. And once again, we said, no, we're pretty happy with a one-week number one. You know, we're not going to, like pay you significant amount of money to keep it up there another week. So they did not. We wound up dropping to number two, which pays the same as number one. So it really had materially no effect on us. And um, we, we kept that money instead of giving it to the label for, for nothing, really. The next example is a, um, a bigger deal in many ways, because it involved my publishing contract, so when I had my first major, major, major hit, first number one, um, I did not have a co-pub. So my publisher made a, a big amount of money on that on that song that did not go toward recouping me because I didn't have a co-pub, and that's we can do a whole nother issue on that sometime of why that is. But basically, my publisher. One quarter got like a $125,000 check. And I thought that went toward my recoupment, which was right about $120,000. So I thought I'm going to be recouped and come to find out it did not. And it wasn't my publisher's fault. It was my fault for not knowing that. But I quickly realized I'm never going to recoup this, this draw and the advances and the demo costs and all that kind of stuff that I've been getting on my account if I don't get a co-pub so I I went into him and I said um, you know even though that stuff doesn't count to recoup me you've made a lot of money off me and now I want a co-pub and he said well you know you've got a year and a half left on your deal when we renegotiate to do a new deal um, we'll talk about a co-pub then <clears throat> and so I went home that night and I thought about it and the more I thought about it the the more upset I got and I thought even though this was before Yellowstone I thought I'm going to go bet Dutton on this issue right here Uh, I'm going to stand up for what I want what I think I deserve, what my family needs and so I actually created a PowerPoint (laughs) showing uh, all these different factors of how much they had made off this song, how much they were probably going to make off this song and bunch of other factors that I I thought played into the idea that I needed a co-pub and so I went in there and I said I know you said that we would talk about this when my deal was up in a year and a half but we're going to talk about it right now because I've already met my quota for the year and I can just take the rest of the year off and not write or we can have this discussion and and work something out and so to his credit he said all right if it's that important to you, we'll talk about it now. So we talked about it, and we worked out that I would get a in the ne- the next year I would get a twenty five percent copub, and then the following year if they kept me, I would get a thirty three percent copub, and the following year after that if they kept me, I would get a fifty percent copub, <clears throat> and so that dramatically changed my life. It'll it allowed me to recoup some catalog. It allowed me to make a lot more money. Quicker because the money that was coming in was going toward recouping and that kind of stuff. And then at the end of that deal, I'd had another hit. So I went in and we negotiated um, a retroactive 50 50 co pub on all those things that I'd had 25% and 33%. So what I learned in that situation is unless you stand up for yourself, And unless you fight for, I looked at it as fighting for my children, my children's futures, their college, their weddings. That's what I was fighting for. So going in there and standing up for myself paid monstrous dividends. It was a game changer and a career changer. Uh, And so there's times like that when, when you have to just do that. Now, Many times people come to me and they say, well, I signed this contract because I don't have any power. I don't have any clout in the situation. And what I say to them is, if you've got a song that someone thinks is a huge hit, you have all the power in the world. Now, they're going to try to get as much from you as they can. So they may say, well, we can't give you a co-pub. This is your first thing, you know. But if they honestly believe it's a monstrous hit, they're going to be willing to negotiate with you. And you're going to be able to negotiate some of that publishing. Uh, so never if, if you feel like you're in a situation where you have no power, they either are trying to scam you or they don't really believe in your song all that much. Because, like I said, if they really, really, really believe in it, then 50% of the publishing for them is well worth them pitching it. So don't ever feel like you're in a, in a powerless situation. And if somebody won't negotiate with you, then I say it might be time to not do business with that person. You know, keep looking. And that can be hard. My very first contract that I was offered uh, was a contract in which there was a clause that said if they change one note of my arrangement, which was defined as my work tape, they changed one note of my work tape, they got half of the writer's credit. They were already getting all of the publishing in this contract, which was a, a stinky deal in the first place. So what's the first thing they're gonna do? They're, well, they're gonna do a demo. It's gonna be at least one note different than my work tape and that's gonna give them, this clause kick will kick in and they get half the writer's credit. And my lawyer just said, there's no way you can do that. So I had to turn down the first deal that I was offered I've never once regretted turning down bad deals. Not one time. I mean, I wish that artist had singled my song, but I never once regretted the decision to stand up for the integrity of my songwriting and my co-writers and all that kind of stuff. And the the last example I'll give you is, um, now I'm a publisher. I've got four writers that write for a company that Clay and I own called Vibe City Music. Uh, We got a contract presented to us recently That was, it said at the top, split sheet, but it was really a contract. There was a lot of things on there in addition to just being a split sheet. So it laid out the splits, but it called for some things like controlled comp, agreement to a controlled comp clause in a record contract. Well, what that means is an artist can negotiate with a record label. Uh, Let's say the record label says, if we cut a song you wrote, then we only have to pay six cents for this song instead of 9.25 or whatever the the statutory rate is that they're supposed to pay. Well, the songwriters don't always know about that or agree to that, but sometimes they'll slip that language into a contract where you're agreeing to whatever that rate is that the artist agrees with on the record label. Well, the trouble with that is that songwriters don't, share in the merch that the, the artist sells, they don't share in the touring, they don't share in the, you know, much of the streaming, all those things. So the artist and the label are making money off those songs in a lot of different ways. Songwriters are all only making money off those songs in one way. So agreeing to potentially cut your one source of income by a third or half sometimes is really has a huge impact on the songwriter it, it may not have that much impact on the artist or the label except that the label's getting out of paying you know the, the right amount of royalties so as a publisher I'm able to go to those people and say hey we didn't agree to the control comp clause and we want you to take that out not really fair to my writer that kind of thing <clears throat> there are some other clauses in there too that let them uh, set different rates agree to different things Uh, kind of almost like a blank check and so as a publisher again i can could do a little Beth dutton and go hey no not going to agree to like a blank check you got to tell us what that is in advance you know or you got to get our permission for that for those things so all of this to say don't ever feel like you have to just accept whatever's given to you in a contract in a deal in a you know, and somebody wanting to change something in your song. If you wrote a great song and they want to spend money on it and record it, you do have some clout and you do have some power. And those are the times when you have to really go bet that on on them and stand up for for your people. You know, you got to stand up for yourself. You got to stand up for the integrity of your music. And you you really have to weigh what those kind of compromises might cost you in the long term, not just in the short term. So hope this has been helpful. If you have any other questions or comments, you can always email me, marty at songtown.com. Uh, clay is clay at songtown.com. We're always glad to, to help people and answer questions. We'd love for you to check out Songtown. We'd love for you to give us a five-star review and um Anywhere you're listening to this podcast, if you review it and uh, brag on us, that helps us a whole bunch. So if you find it helpful, please do that for us. And we've got some links in the show notes to some other resources to check out Songtown or check out books we've written. Uh, but we hope you have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday. I'm going to leave you with a song. This is a very cool sounding folk kind of song called Ship of Fools by Brendan Gaughan, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, and Pete MacArthur. I think we need a bigger boat This ship of fools is sinking And all I'm thinking and growing on I want you to Turn it off Turn it on Again Black. Like